This episode of Mr. Benfica is dedicated to the memory of Benfica legend Rogério Pipi, passed away this week at age 97, and he passed away after this program today had been recorded. So in the next episode, in episode 42 next week, I will tell you a little bit more about the life and career of the legend Rogério Pipi. Rest in peace. Welcome to episode 41 of Mr. Benfica. I am the host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu. How is everybody doing? I welcome you to another somewhat accelerated, abbreviated episode of Mr. Benfica. I do apologize for these um, shorter episodes. Um, this isn't really my style of how to do an episode, but it is what my time allows right now. Um, I'm coming to you right now live from my personal vehicle, my car, in the parking lot of my workplace as it is lunchtime on a Monday, and I wanted to get this recorded um, in time to be out before the Champions League game on Tuesday against Zenit. So, we have had quite a week with Benfica ever since the 2-2 draw in Leipzig in the Champions League, where we dropped two, um, two very crucial points and were... Ex- we were eliminated from the Champions League with that result. Um, we sit here on the eve of the final Champions League game of the season in which we need a victory from two goal, of two goals. Or uh, we need a shutout victory of two goals, I should say, or a three-goal victory otherwise to um, give ourselves a chance of advancing. That is because if Leon were to lose to Leipzig, then it would be a three-way tie with seven points and we would not uh, be advancing at that point however if we beat if we beat um, Zenit by three goals or more we will pass them in the goal difference so if there is a three team a three team tie with seven points we could still steal that Europa League spot but that's what we're playing for right now in Europe it is a place in the Europa League not the Champions League we have been eliminated from the Champions League as we spoke about a few episodes back but the how about the week that was for Befica starting off with a very very disappointing uh very disappointing 1-1 draw in the League Cup last Wednesday um on the road at second division side Sporting de Coulia all right, the second division side uh, was ahead. They were leading at one point and uh, took Benfica to the limit as Benfica were unable to register a victory. And now um, passage to the final four in the League Cup. It looks very unlikely as we need, uh, we need that same Sporting Covillian side to beat 
Vitória Guimarães or to at least draw and we would have to beat Vitória Stubo by a lot of goals on December the 21st, I believe, is when that final group stage match is scheduled at the Bonfim against Stubo. So it looks like we will be saying goodbye to the Tasa de Liga, the League Cup, in the next uh, couple of episodes. But, um, yeah, we'll talk about that in this episode a little bit. But we're really going to focus on uh, this past Friday's 4-1 victory on the road at Boavista, coupled with with a result yesterday, Sunday, uh, December the 8th, from the Jamur Code City Blues, Bolognese Sad picking up a point against Football Club do Porto, allowing Benfica to extend their lead at the top of the table to four points. We'll talk about that as well. I've got some news for you guys this week. Um, it won't be a regular match um, analysis like I normally do. This is going to be a lot more like episode 40. It's going to be a little bit accelerated. I'm just going to talk offhand, um, off the cuff, if you will, and just freestyle about these two matches. There isn't really a format I'm going to be following. Just going to talk about these two matches, and then get um, get us ready for the the week ahead. All right, we've got big games coming here, fast and furious as we head into the Christmas season. We've got, like we've already said, Zenit St. Petersburg this Tuesday, tomorrow, December the 10th, and then on the upcoming weekend, we will be visited by Firmly Co. Before we play Sporting Braga in the Portuguese Cup, all right, I believe one week after that. So we got a lot to go over and not a lot of time. And again, my schedule has been crazy. So I I appreciate everyone's patience with me on getting these episodes out. Um, and I know they're not up to, to the the level I'm. I I like to uh, keep, but I do want to keep putting content out there and I don't want to stop putting out episodes because um, well that's just I, I owe you guys something every week so here is episode 41 um, it's called will the real Benfica please stand up because which Benfica is the real one all right, we're going to take a quick break. All right, we're going to pay a bill. We're going to listen to Reconquista. And on the other side, I will be there with the news. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Follow me on Twitter at BenficaMista and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, as well as on Facebook, two words, Mr. Benfica. Just put that in your search and you'll see the show's Facebook page. We'll be right back with the news. Sofrida a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Quem não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica 
Leo Messi and Wayne Rooney. Modalidades now. We have hockey winning 5-2 this weekend at Riba de Ave. Uh, goals scored by Gonçalo Pinto, Diogo Rafael, Lucas Ordonez, and two from the, the great Carlos Nicolia. Futsal returns to their winning ways as they beat Brunhosa this past weekend 5-3 with goals from Bruno Coelho, Fitz, Miguel Angelo, and Robinho. And in addition to an own goal put in by Brunhosa in their own goal. Volleyball continues to fly in domestic form. Uh, the volleyball team wins in straight sets. A three love over Fumalicão. Earlier in the week, you'll remember that volleyball debuted in the Champions League. The Volleyball Champions League. They did lose, but did win a set as they were on the road in Italy taking on Perugia. And it was three, three sets to one in favor of the Italian side. Basketball continues uh, to win as they win in a route 114-60 over CAB Mudeira. Bettinho led the way with 17 points and six players were in double figures in that game for the Eagles. Handball loses in the derby 26-20 to Sporting despite a six-goal performance from Petar Jorogic. And five goals from Kevin Nicholas. Women's football stays perfect, of course. 4-0 victory at home this week over Uriens. And the Lady Aguias are top of the table with a perfect 30 points from 10 matches. 72 goals for and one against. And they are three points ahead of second place Sporting. Next up for the ladies is a road trip traveling to the Primeiro de Maio this coming Saturday to face the defending champion Sporting Braga. Now we move forward to the roundup and the scores in the Liga Nage round 13 that concluded earlier today. The round got started on Friday, December the 6th. Boa Vista 1, Our Benfica 4. On Saturday, Maritimo 2, Santa Clara 2. Famalicão 2, Tondela 3, an upset for the side from Tondela as in a local derby, if you will, um, in the north uh, against Famalicão as a um, big win for that side. They're known for a couple of big wins. Uh, Famalicão will, will be disappointed with that result, especially at home. Remember, Famalicão are visiting Stadio de Luz in the next round. And Sportiv Zavs, okay, and their new manager, Nuno Manta, pick up a big 1-0 victory at home against Sporting Braga. As uh, the Guerreiros drop three more points and Sapinto drops three more points in the league. Despite their excellent European uh, form this season, they have struggled a little bit in the league. And they'll find themselves a little further down the table now to Sunday's matches yesterday. Uh, December the 8th, Passos Ferreira 2, Vitória Stubel 3, Vitória Guimarães 2, Portimonense 0, Sporting Clube Portugal 1, Moreirense 0. And the result that we um, that affects us directly, Code City Blues, Bolognese Sad 1, Futebol Clube do Porto 1. So Porto dropping 2 points, allowing Benfica to gain some points and some space in the standings 
And that, my friends, is the news for this week. When we come back, we're going to talk about the, the League Cup match with Sporting de Covilha. And we'll transition into the league match with Boavista. Stay right there. Don't move a muscle. This is Mr. Befica and I am the Mr. Mike Agustinho. We'll be right back. And welcome back to episode 41 here of Mr. Befica. You are in the car with me right now as I commute. And um, we're going to talk about the Sporting Covilha match. Okay, Befica fielding a nearly all second choice team. All right, Slobin was in goal. Tavares kids were the two outside backs. If I'm not mistaken, we had we had Ruben and we had Jardel as the central defenders. I don't have the lineup in front of me, but if my memory serves me correct, uh, we had Florentino and, and Samadij as the pair in midfield with uh, with Jetson and Ajata as the outside midfielders and up front. Raul de Tomas partnered with Shikinu, if I'm not mistaken. Um, almost an entirely second choice lineup, like I said. And um, there's been a lot of talk out there, okay? There's been a lot of reporting, a lot of opinions given. Um, and yes, this result is a not acceptable for Befica, okay? There, there's, it will not be justified. There's no way that I'm gonna, I am gonna sit here on this podcast here and justify losing or drawing to a second division club but what does need to be addressed or need to be realized is that when you use an entire second choice squad like this okay you are asking for trouble okay these players uh, lack match fitness they lack any type of match rhythm okay and I've heard it said, you know, if you're good enough to play in Benfica's second string, you should be good enough to beat Covillon without trouble. That's one of those things that in theory sound, sound correct, but really in practice, that's, that's, um, that's a bit unrealistic, okay? Uh, you're, you're, on one hand, you have Sporting de Covillon, the current fifth-placed team in the second league in the, in the Pro Liga. And you have a team with, with veteran experience. You have a team uh, with players that have first division experience. Players that that understand, um, they understand, you know, the, the details and the, they understand the psychology of a, a big cup match like this. They've been in a few of them themselves. All right. A lot of players have spent some time in the first division. Um... And I'm going to be frankly honest with you, the the talent or the level drop from the first division to the second division is not that great. If you need any further evidence, I mean, Family Town came up from the second division and they're they're sitting in, in third place right now in, in the Liga Nage. All right, that's not because that's not because they were an anomaly. You know, they were not like. 
big because women's team, for example, playing in their second division last year where they were actually a first division side just playing in a second division competition, okay? Um, Fumalico was, was not in that in that situation. Fumalico was, was in his same team, practically, that they were last year. And... Um, there's a decent level for clubs in the pro league, and again, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say or claim it's excusable to to drop two points to a second division team. That's not what I'm saying, okay? But on the other hand, it's it's naive and it's a little bit um, wishful thinking to think that you can just uh, put eleven players with with very few minutes. 11 players with not much routine, not much playing routine, out on the field. And 11 players who don't play together also, okay? Especially not in competitive matches. The key is competitive matches. You have to play together in competitive matches to get a competitive rhythm and a competitive chemistry, okay? To have an effective match, generally speaking. Now, we saw Bruno Lage last year take an entirely second-choice team to Turkey and beat Galatasaray. That, you know, that that is very unlikely to, to happen. That happened on that day because all the stars aligned and things just went, just went perfectly. But to expect that, even against the Spartan Kuvillar, is naive, okay? Anytime you, you field a reserve side, you're running the risk of an upset because you're facing a team that has that has played together uh, all season at the very least. Many of the teams in the second division have played together longer. And you're looking at a team that has been trying to peak for this match with Benfica, okay? Versus Benfica, who are rotating their squad. Kuvillan are putting their best 11 on the field. They're putting their best game plan out there. And, you know... They have a chemistry together. They have match fitness. They have awareness. They're playing in a very a simple game plan, okay, where everyone can follow easily, which makes it that much harder to play against with, with you know, players that are a step or two behind where they should be. And you just have a recipe here for a, a tough matchup. And... Add in the factor that you're on the road. I'm not going to say you're at altitude. They're at the base of the of the second estrella, but you're on the road on a weeknight, and your second choice players are feeling a bit of pressure because Benfica needed the win in this match to to really put themselves in position to advance to the final four. That did not happen. All right, as we know, the game finished one-one. And uh, the goal was scored by Jota. Jota had himself a good game. But when you go up against... When you put all of that on the board, it, it's it's very easy to see how this happened. That does not excuse it, but it does not take a rocket scientist to see how this happened. Okay. And, um, you know, Kuvillan put together also career effort. Uh, you know, a career-worthy effort from most of their players. And that doesn't help Pika either. Um, but in the end, you know, if, if I'm Bruno Lage, I can't. I have to um, 
look at all the matches that are scheduled for the month of December, as I'm sure he did, and when you put them all out there and you look at each and every one of them, this one is probably the one of least importance, okay? And when you're playing every three days as big as they are right now, you have to man-manage a little bit. I know people don't like that. People don't want to hear that. Um, I, I don't think that that means you, you swap out an entire team like this, but... I do think that no matter what, there's some man management going on, needing to go on in this match, given the, the fixtures ahead. But Murulaj, you know, kind of circled this game as the one that had the least importance. And he's trying to get minutes to, to his French players because at some point, you know, French, French players uh, are called in. I mean, right now, Servi is playing on the first team regularly. Okay, he with Rafa's injury, said he plays all the time, and he's a French player that would be on this squad if not for the injury to Rafa. So you do need to have this second, the second squad does need to get minutes, and that's why it's sometimes important to stay in these competitions. But I would have maybe kept one or two more uh, first choice players available. Okay. I think I would have kept the center back pairing that you use in in the league games of Fehu and and Fubendiish together for this game, just to solidify the back a little bit. Um, Jardel Jardel needs to play, but does he really? <laughs> I prefer he play as little as possible, given that you know he he is clearly the the weakest link in the, in the you know, center-back pairing. Um, there's Conti now. I'm, my memory's failing me whether or not Conti played in this match. Perhaps he was available. Um, but I would, I would have kept the normal center-back pairing together for this one. And I also would not have played with two holding mids just because they both need to play and just because you know, they're the two that are available. I would have, I would have gone with, I would have played with Jetson in the middle, perhaps, with one of these two, with either Samadis or with Florentino, and then you can put a guy on the right, you know, Chiquinho can play the right, you can play with, Jota should be able to play both sides in a game like this, but... Anyway, Bruno Lage picked the team he did, and, uh, well, they're unable to get the three points, so, um, you know, cheers to, to Kuvillan, they played a great match, and they had a night they will never forget in holding Benfica to a 1-1 draw, but Benfica now uh, pretty much needing only a miracle to advance. They will need Vitori Guimaraes to drop points to this Kuvillan team because Vitori Guimaraes of the next night would beat Vitori Estubal 2 0. And they would take control of the group as they now have four points. Benfica have two. So even if Benfica beat Vitori Estubal, okay, they would need Vitori Guimaraes to drop two points or else Vitori Guimaraes will be on their way to the 
final four in Braga later in January um, for this competition. So it, it does look like it's going to be another year where Befica does not win this competition that for the better part of a decade they were dominating. But with that, we're gonna we're gonna take a little break and um, well, I'll just say actually before I do that that there was a good performance from Jota in this game. He needs he needs more minutes. The, the manager has to find time to get him on the field. Okay, um, not a good performance per se from from one of my favorite players in Andreas Samadis, and I think as we've seen plenty of times that partnership of Samadis and Florentino does not match up too well. Um, you know, they both have some similar tendencies. And I think playing with Florentino calls Samadish to have to play too much of an offensive role. Um, less of a less of a pivot role and more of a box-to-box type of uh, role for, for the Greek international. But he's the kind of player that needs if you go back and look at his seasons with Benfica, his successful seasons, okay, the most successful seasons, Andreas Samaris had in Benfica, okay, came after the manager, whether it was George Zouz, Rui Vitoria, or Bruno Leij, came after that manager had no choice but to play him. And they, they slot him in, and after... He's the type of player that after two or three, four matches, he starts to hit his form. He's not the type of player that can be slotted in for one game and give you a brilliant performance to go back to the bench, sit for two, three games, come back in when needed. He's just not that kind of player. Those are not his capabilities. He's a player that needs a lot of repetition. He needs to play a lot. And when he plays a lot, though, he, de he delivers. He delivers. His form always kicks up when he gets his opportunity. So I would still like to see Samadis given an opportunity. I think he's a crucial, crucial part of this team, and I know he's not playing well. And I don't believe he will play well if these are the type of opportunities he gets, you know, once every every five or six matches in the middle of a congested fixture list uh, to slot him in with a second-choice team. You're just not going to get anything good out of him in, the, in those circumstances. I think he needs to play with, with top players. I think he needs to be paired up with the right midfield partner. And we saw last season the formidable partnership that Samadij and Gabriel, you know, made together in the second half of that season last year going forward. So I'm interested to see going through the rest of, you know, this season where, where that's, where it's where Andreas Samadis is going to go. But I think his leadership qualities and his personality and his professionalism is, is crucial to this team. He's a man who leads by example, and they, they're in need of some example in that midfield and, and in that first 11. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, all right, and when we come back, we will talk about the Boavista game. This is Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Ogustino on Twitter at Benfica Mr. and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. If you're a Facebook user, if you stick to Facebook, then just put in two words in your search box. Mr. 
Space Befica, and you will find the page for the show. I'll see you on the other side. traveling north again and this time received with quite the uh, quite the fanfare uh, one of the best pro Benfica crowds of the season on the road in the city of Porto in the Cidade Invicta Estadio do Bessa all right uh, Benfica away to Boa Vista um, a stadium you know that is got some fond memories in it for us Benficistas uh, both the championship title clinching victory or draw in, in that case 2005 uh, the 1-1 one, one draw that clinched the title for Benfica after a long long uh, a long long wait for a championship and not to mention a few years back that late goal in stoppage time from the one and only Jonas that sealed a crucial three points as Benfica, if I'm not mistaken, clinched the three campeonato that season uh, just a few weeks later. So we go to the Bessa, Século XXI, as it's called, the 21st century version of the, the Bessa. And it's a very pro Benfica crowd in Porto. A very, very much more um, better traveling support or away support I, I don't like to call it traveling support because Benfica has so many fans in northern Portugal okay um, it's it's it, to call it traveling support is to is to assume that the entire crowd traveled from Lisbon up north and that's not the case plenty of fans do make that trip I'm not saying that they don't but there's a lot of Benficistas in the north and um, you know it's funny because this team, Boa Vista, just a few weeks ago played a derby against their crosstown rivals, um, who happen to be our rivals, okay? Uh, they played against the Blue and White Prison Stripes in that stadium, and the Blue and White Prison Stripes did not have a fraction of the type of atmosphere and support that the Benficistas made for our squad on Friday night at the Bessa. So we move to the match and the starting lineup for Benfica in this Liga Nage round 13 match in goal. Odie returns once again, Mr. Reliable. The right back was young Tomaj Tavares filling in for injured Andre Almeida. Center back pairing is, is Fehu and Ruben Dias while Grimaldo takes his normal spot as the left back. The center mid pairing the the midfield, the double pivot midfield pairing for this one is for the third match and in a row. It is uh, oh, the third league match in a row, I should say. It is Gabriel and Tarapt with PZ playing down the right and Chervi playing down the left. Up front, the tandem of Chiquinho and my cousin Vinny 
Carlos Vinicius as he continues to be on a tear uh, of the Liga Nage and of all opponents, really, in all competitions. Uh, Carlos Vinicius has been on a tear, and Bruno Lage is perhaps finally found the 11, at least for now, that will um, carry Befica into, into this month of December and into the new year. Um, Befica almost get on the board early in this match, all right? Peasy does well to get in behind, and he flips the ball up and over the goalkeeper, but is ruled offside. But when you can do that in the third, fourth, fifth minute, like Befica did, uh, it stills a lot of confidence in the team. And Befica looked confident, despite the setback midweek. This looked like the same Befica squad we saw in Leipzig a week earlier. And... Um, was reassuring for me watching, you know, on, where did I watch this match? I watched this match at my desk at the office as this was another match on a work day for me. It was a Friday afternoon here in the East Coast of the United States, and um, I was at my second job of the day, and I was at my desk and was taking peeks at this game throughout the afternoon. But um, you could see early that this was the Benfica we saw in Leipzig and not the one we saw in Cuvillan. Regardless of the players selected, the attitude was there that was there in, in Leipzig. And um, like I said, I'm hoping Benfica is turning a corner. I had said that in the previous episodes when we were talking about the most recent league matches. Uh, unfortunately, they're just not showing it in all competitions yet, but... Benfica come out strong, and in the 35th minute, my cousin Vinny gets on the board, opens the scoring, and Benfica take the lead 1-0, and they look to be in complete control, but against the run of play just before halftime, one minute before halftime, or one minute before um, the referee would put up his his sign for extra, for the time added on, um, Benfica would surrender an equalizer on a kind of broken play and some some lackluster defending, really. And, um, you know, the ball was flipped up and over Benfica's defenders' heads. It was a lob play. And, you know, uh, Stojakovic, the, the Boavista player, would get on the end of it and would put it past Odi, who could have done a lot better. This is the one thing about Odie right now that, that needs to improve. He's a great shot stopper. He's, uh, he seems to be very good at organizing the team in front of him. What he lacks here is on these set pieces. He seems to be late coming out, or he seems just to be hesitant. And um, the goals he surrenders, for the most part, come off crosses or off of lobs like this one up over the top when he has to make a decision about whether to come out or to stay. That is when Odie has trouble, and this game would be no different as Boavista would, would draw level just before halftime. And also, support defending from Tomas Tavares and from uh, Pizzi on that play as they both were kind of caught out of position and looking around, giving the Boavista player plenty of time to lob the ball up and over and into the box. And then on, nobody gets to it, and it bounces, and on the hop, it ends up on the head of Stojakovic and Boavista pull a level. Um, however, 
you know, Benfica go into the locker room still knowing they played well and perhaps putting together their best 45 minutes of the Liga Nage season in that first half. So um, they came out confident in the second half. Um, one thing I noticed, okay, and it's not really getting talked about a lot, but it, I noticed it, and um, one thing that's different from last year to this year, okay, in this 4-4-2, where a year ago, João Felix was playing as the, you know, supporting forward to Seferovic. Right now, Chiquinho is in that role um, with Carlos Vinicius in front of him. Um, but what I notice, and perhaps this is due to the double pivot, actually, I believe that's that's where the um, where the cause comes from because you have a double pivot midfield. You don't really have a true holding midfielder. Um, you have a little bit of a, a breakdown in shape at times. And I find Chiquinho coming back too far to get the ball. Uh, you know, on, on uh, a number of occasions... He's back, you know, standing in in front of the, the, the two center backs where a Florentino or a or a Samaris would normally be. He's the one playing in that in that space in there and getting the counterattack started. And the problem is it happened a few times and Befica would attack with with pace. You know, he'd get the ball wide to Pizzi or to, to Cervi or to Grimaldo, especially, or even Nuno Tavares would would uh, oh, sorry, Tomas Tavares would get forward to, to play across it. And the problem is, it leaves Vinicius all alone in the box because now Chiquinho is asking himself, essentially, to make a 60, 70-yard sprint to get up into the area to try to get in on the end of a cross and a counterattack. Asking a lot of Chiquinho to play like that. And, um, I mean, he's adapting well. And I'm not... I'm curious as to how he would play... In, in a situation where perhaps he switched places with, with PZ because PZ, um, even though he, he on paper plays as a wide midfielder, in reality, he's playing that second striker role, um, or he, he's halfway there, I should say. He's playing halfway between that, that wide right side midfielder and that second striker or supporting striker role, which is what's requiring Chiquinho to come back so much, to track back so far, to get the ball, and to be the link, to be that transition uh, from the defense to the attack. I'm curious what would happen if PZ lined up as that supporting forward. Um, he wouldn't be required to come back so much. And you know what? PZ does great things uh, in the attacking half with the ball at his feet, okay? Uh, we're much better if we don't wear him out asking him to, to track back all game. All right. And we can't have we can't have three guys staying up front. All right. Uh, if he stays up there with Chiquinho and, and with Vinicius, which naturally causes Chiquinho to be the one to make those runs back and kind of play out of position a little bit. And um, I wonder what how if it would improve the attack at all. If PZ lined up, you know, closer to Carlos Vinicius, and if Chiquinho started in PZ's position more as a true outside midfielder, because I think uh, Chiquinho has the lung capacity to play that position better, at least to play both ends of the field better than, than PZ does. Um, and at the same time, it would allow PZ the freedom to stay up and to put him in positions to set up Carlos Vinicius 
and set up, you know, uh, late running, you know, incoming late runs from Gabriel and from Tarapt or from Chervi or whoever else is playing in the attack at that time. Um, I'd be curious to see how that would play out. I think it would be a success, to be honest with you all. But uh, right now, that's the, it looks like the instructions is for whether Shikini is being instructed to, to drop so deep to come get the ball like that and to play as more of a midfielder or a, a link-up player or whether he's taking the initiative on, him, on himself because he sees the gaping hole there. I'm not, not positive. Bruno Elijah's not talked on this to my knowledge. It's possible. I have not been able to watch the press conferences recently, um, again, due to my time constraints. Um, as you can tell by the quality of this podcast, the sound quality, because I'm recording on a cell phone in a car while I'm commuting from one job to another um, as I get ready to put in another 18-hour workday. Um, or the second half, I should say, of my 18-hour workday. I've put nine in. It's time for the second nine now. But, um, yeah, I think that... I think that that solution may may work. And anyhow, the second half would come out, um, and Befica comes out strong, confident. And it wouldn't be long. 54th minute, a so-called controversial goal, which to me is as clean as a whistle. In the words of a former uh, manager, Limpinho, Limpinho, Limpinho. Chervi puts the the ball in the goal as he gets on the end of a cross and taps it in. And Chervi has the same right to that ball that the defender has. Um, You can look at that all you want in the VAR. The VAR didn't even reverse it. And the VAR is always and always seeming to go against Befica. Um... And it did not, I'm not even sure if it got reviewed, but it didn't get reversed. It was clean. Um, if anything, the Bovisha defender sticks his leg out to try to draw contact with, with Cherfi. Once Cherfi has won the positioning to uh, get to that ball first, he has every right to be there. Uh, the attacker has the same right to the ball as the defender. Uh, that is a clean goal, as clean as it gets. I don't want to hear it from the from the Tripage and from the Lergatch on all these TV shows and they continuing to invent these things and rewrite rules to suit themselves and suit their own insecurities. Um, both of those teams have been given numerous assists from referees, not just this season, but last season. They've been rescued by VAR that has invented penalty kicks where they don't exist, that has called, uh, allowed goals on fouls, you know, Thinking back to Porto's visit to to Madeira, you know, their tying goal, if not for a horrible, horrible bit of refereeing that allowed the goal to stand on a clear foul from the Porto attacker. Um, They would have dropped three points that day instead of two. They would have had a a loss, uh, or another loss, I should say. Instead, they managed to pick up a point. Again this weekend, Porto is crying about referees, okay? They went to the Jamur and they did not get the job done. They were given a penalty kick and they want three more. Um, and really, it, it, it's amusing that any time Benfica gains any ground, or I should say expands their lead at all, it's a quick, it's a quick, uh, it's a quick rounding of the troops between that alliance, and they start to attack. You know, they start to attack referees as if George Souza 
in this game was not calling every, basically everything against Benfica. Okay. Cards for Benfica, same play, same foul, no card for Boavista. Jorge Souza called this game very much against Benfica. And these guys want to say that it was, you know, the referee helping Benfica. No. This goal was clean. And Benfica would continue to dominate and they would break Boavista in the 62nd minute when it was my cousin Vinny once again Carlos Vinicius for his ninth of the season in the Liga Nage 13th in all competitions if I'm not mistaken I believe that's his tally in all competitions and Carlos Vinicius overpasses his teammate Pizzi as the top scorer in the Liga Nage at this time and Befica take a 3-1 victory and they will see it out, closing it out in the 90th minute. It is Gabriel on the header to make it 4-1. to one. And this is an important goal for the player who is fighting his way back from injury. He has spent, you know, the better part of the last calendar year now injured, with the exception of a couple months here and now a couple months there. Um, Gabriel has been injured. He's fighting his way back to the Gabriel we saw from you know January to to April of last last uh, season of earlier this calendar year, and um, a better game from 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 Gabriel. Good game from Terapt as well, his midfield partner. Um, I'm not. I'm still not. I'm going to be honest. I'm still not convinced he's the best player for that position. But at this time, he's the best one we have right now, and he's the most informed. Um, I would still like to see him play the ball into space more, to play his teammates in more. Uh, a lot of times I find that his passes are finding his teammates with the back to goal and not able to turn, you know, forcing the ball to come back towards him again and, you know, stumping the attack. So I would like to see going, as he continues to get minutes and continues to get rhythm and form, um, if he can start to play that ball into space and to play the players in forward and to play them to opportunities on goal, and if he can start to have a few opportunities of his own, one of these center mids needs to be, uh, one of these midfielders, you know, central midfielders, needs to be able to to be a threat to score, uh, whether it's Gabriel or it's Tarapta. I would like to see uh, some more some more shots taken by both of them. Uh, as they continue to develop as a partnership. And the final score, that takes us to the final score. Boavista 1, Benfica 4. Benfica moved to, uh, or stay I should say, in first place in the Liga Nage and open up a bigger lead against second place, Porto. Uh, my thoughts is uh, it's about time. This is the Benfica that I wanted to see. Um... This is the Benfica we've been waiting for. This is the Benfica from last season, or we're starting to work our way towards that brilliant Benfica from the end of last season, or the, I should say, the from the mid-season point to probably the final quarter of the season that was just absolutely dominant. And I like seeing Benfica score goals early. I like seeing them go for goals early. And I'm hoping that this is the team starting to get their, their feel starting to to mesh uh, players starting to understand their roles in this season and uh, the manager also starting to have a better sense of what to do with players and where to play them 
and how to manage uh, these very crucial matches. So, um, yeah, hopefully this momentum carries into the, the Zenit match, which by the time you listen to this, most of you will have already seen the Zenit match, um, as this episode is getting out just a little bit late, um, and, uh, probably won't be available to you before the conclusion of the Zenit match, but I'm hoping that in episode 42, um, we'll bid farewell to the Champions League by saying hello to the Europa League. I'm hoping for a another another inspiring uh, performance from Benfica in the Stadio de Luz against the Zenit St. Petersburg. I'm hoping that we can go get those three points and then hope that the other result falls the way we need it to so that we can advance to the Europa League. Uh, this is a crucial, crucial match. And I'm hoping that when I go to my desk at work this afternoon, um, that when I open up, you know, my app, I don't see, you know, Nuno Tavares, Tomas Tavares. Well, Tomas Tavares will have to play, I shouldn't say that. Oh, and see Jetson, you know, Florentino in the starting lineup. That's not what's going to give us the best chance to, to get the three points and to score the number of goals that we need to score. I hope it's this 11 we've been seeing recently that line up today in the Champions League. Um, and other than that, I, I am excited and I hope that it's not going to be a solemn episode of 42. Like I said, um, we'll talk about the Champions League match there. We'll probably, we'll either preview or we will review the match with Family Cone this coming weekend, depending when I can record that podcast. And before I go, I do have to send, it is shout-out time. I have to send a couple shout-outs, okay? First shout-out is uh, to all of you listening, okay? Everyone who has continued to to download the show week after week, who has continued to uh, share it, who has continued to listen to this show, whether you stream it or whether you download it, um, it is much appreciated. Um, uh I'm very happy with the performance of the show, uh, with the the numbers that it's generating. Considering, um, considering, you know, it's an English language, a Benfica podcast. It's a very speci- it's geared to a very specific audience. I do need you guys' help though to to ex- to expand this audience. All right, um, I'm looking to expand. All right, we are in a lot of countries now. Um, or I should say this, this podcast has been downloaded in a lot of countries now. It's, it, um, I'm going to ask all of you guys and girls listening to please share this podcast with one Benfica that speaks English that's not listening to it yet. Um, I really, really appreciate it. And if you can go to Apple Podcasts and give it a five-star review if you like it and write a little review. I would appreciate that immensely as that will allow me and allow this podcast to get out to more people as I continue to try to expand it throughout the English-speaking world, not just in North America and in Portugal or in Great Britain, but also in Australia, in India, in in, in the UK, as I said, in Ireland, uh, in Sweden, Germany. uh, We got got downloads in all those places. I'm just looking to continue to expand and to get this this podcast as far-reaching 
as possible. And also, a big shout-out to um, a new Twitter page, okay? If you have not yet done so, please go to your Twitter, okay? Search for at Benfica Loyals. That's one word, obviously. Benfica and then Loyals, L-O-Y-A-L-S. Benfica Loyals on Twitter. It's another English-language Benfica project. Go to their Twitter page, see what it's about, all right? Uh, follow them, please. Give them a follow. Uh, they're, try they're just starting out, and uh, the more the more contributors we have in this community of English-language Befikistas and English-language Befika content uh, creators, the better. I mean, the, the louder our voice could become. I don't know that the club is aware of the number of English-language uh, coverage that they have around the world, but a tweet this week um, from Miguel Azevedo, I believe was his name, shout out to Miguel as well, um, as he did he did mention me in his tweet, and he mentioned Benfica Loyals as well, and, and how happy he is, and how thankful he is that there's so much coverage of Benfica in English, that is exactly what the goal is, okay? Um, so please support all of the projects, okay? Uh, Azagiaj, Befica Podcast, uh, Befica After 90, okay? Uh, support all of the English language Befica stuff. Support the non-Befica stuff too. Uh, that's cool. Everybody producing Portuguese soccer content in English, I think, deserves the support, deserves the follows. Give it a try, alright? There's a couple other podcasts out there. PortugueseSoccer.com has their own podcast now. Good, it's it's a good podcast. Uh, the Celeste podcast is also very very good. Do check it out if you're a fan of the Portuguese national team. And even if you're not, check it out and give give Danny, uh, the host of the show, give him some listens, give him some some exposure. It's a very very good podcast. He does a great job. It's very professionally produced. Uh, he's always got great guests on. All right. Um, Check it out. There's also, the, the, I'm not going to tell you to go listen to another team's English language podcast, but they're out there, and you know what? They do a, a good job as well covering their teams. Uh, so they are out there. Um, and I think, also, not to mention Three Tugas, who've been doing this a long time. They got their show. There's a lot of English language content out there. Um, and anyone I... I, I forgot to mention or anyone I didn't I failed to mention I do apologize but please by all means um, call me out on it on Twitter and I it won't happen again um, Prossima Jornada on Twitter that's another another great outlet um, just just all of the Davidtronic on Twitter at Davidtronic 5000 I believe is his handle another great Benfica uh, Twitter account English language, okay. The club has their own official English language account as well. I believe it's at uh, SLBenfica underscore EN. Um, check it out. Check out at Benfica Eclectico. That's not in, in English, but it'll keep you up to date on all of the modalidades, on all of the, the non-football related news because they matter as well. And at Benfica Feminino will also keep you in touch with the women's uh, projects at the club, alright, so um, thank you all for checking in with me this week, thank you for checking in with 
episode 41. This has been Mr. Benfica. I am the Mr. Mike Agustinio, and of course, as always, feel free to follow and hit me up on Twitter at Benfica Mister. Uh, you can direct message me on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, or you can send me a a, a, a Facebook message um, by searching Mr. Benfica on Facebook. You will see uh, the page for this show. All right, that's gonna do it for this week. Okay, enjoy the Champions League match. Hopefully, we've got good things to talk about. Uh, this coming weekend when we look back at the Champions League uh, match and either look ahead or look back at the Liga Nage round 14 in um, round 14 match at home to Family Count. And before I go, let me read the standings to you um, as I am at a stoplight. So in first place, Benfica, 36 points. Second place, Porto. 32 points. Third place, Family Count, 24 points. Fourth place, Sporting, 23. Fifth place, Guimarães, 20. Sixth place, Rio Ave, 18. Braga and Tondela also on 18, sharing seven and eighth place with uh, identical goal differences. And then Boa Vista is ninth, also with 18. Gil Vicente, 10th, 10th with 16 points. Vitoria Stubal. 11th on also on 16 points on 15 points code city uh bulanish sad has 15 points 12th place morenes 13th with 14 santa clara 14th also with 14 points maritimo is 15th with 12 points portimones 11 points in 16th place and in the relegation zone passage to Ferreira, 17th place eight points and Sportiva Zavis, 18th place with 6 points. The top scorers right now in the Liga Nage after 13 rounds. My cousin Benny Carlos Vinicius is the front runner with 9 goals. Easy also with 9 goals. The two teammates share the top spot. However, um, Carlos Vinicius is ahead on the tiebreaker as he has no penalty goals. Uh, Zé Luís of Porto is next with seven, as is Fabio Martins of Famalicão. And Gil Vicente Sandro Lima is in there with six, as is Anderson Silva of Famalicão. So Benfica with two in the top six. Famalicão with two as well in the top six. Um... Very, very uh, good spot for Benfica to be in right now. Like I said, four points clear. Four points clear as I'm backing up here. I'm being signaled back by another another motorist. Thank you to her. Um, I digress. Uh, yeah, Benfica in a good position right now. Uh, doing well, results-wise at the very least. And starting to play better. So I'm very hopeful uh, for the rest of this month and for the new year to come. So uh, we'll, we'll talk again in episode 42 in about a week's time. Thank you. This has been Mr. Benfica, a production of the PTB Podcast Network. I have been your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinho. Have a great week, everyone. Carrega Benfica. Força Benfica. Let's do this. Pelo Benfica. Damo 38. Thank you.
Hoje é dia de festa e eu quero juntar Minha voz aos milhares no estádio a cantar Ninguém pode parar essa onda danada É o Benfica que mora no meu coração No meu sangue vermelho de glória e paixão Deixa a águia voar que a gente vai vencer A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar a vitória é nossa e todo mundo vai vibrar A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar Vitória bem fica, todo mundo vai cantar Bem fica, vai pegar, bem fica, vai pegar A bola vai rolar, bem fica, vai ganhar Esse clima de festa não vai acabar Sem mais uma vitória pra comemorar É ser bem glorioso, é o meu campeão É o Benfica que mora no meu coração No meu sangue vermelho de glória e paixão Deixa a águia voar que a gente vai vencer A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar a vitória é nossa e todo mundo vai vibrar A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar Vitória bem fica, todo mundo vai cantar Bem fica, vai pegar, bem fica, vai pegar A bola vai rolar, bem fica, vai ganhar Chegou e agora vai arrasar A vitória é nossa e todo mundo vai vibrar A águia chegou e agora vai arrasar Vitória bem fica, todo mundo vai cantar Bem fica, vai pegar, bem fica, vai pegar A bola vai rolar, bem fica, vai 